Culture and Psychology with Tabana. A very warm hello to our listeners. Uh, we um, are sitting with Dr. Rockers and Dr. Andrade today. And we um, actually were talking about life and the values and we have established and the way we are raised. Uh, yesterday, we um, talked about the guiding concepts in life. And today, we decided to talk about our values in life and our beliefs. And I want to hand it to Dr. Andrade, who had some great ideas about this. Building on our discussion that we had yesterday, I was thinking of kind of uh, exploring a little bit more specifically, kind of looking at those different points in our life where maybe those guiding principles are kind of a little bit more evident. For example, um, during our youth, as we're entering the the work uh, kind of uh, fields, uh, people are getting married, having kids, uh, even, you know, uh, ages of, you know, getting older, kind of winding down in your career and in retirement. I, I find a lot of times uh, the, the issues and the problems that people have can coincide with different kind of points within their life. And I don't think that's coincidental. I think it has a lot to end up doing with the shifting of our guiding principles or the development of our guiding principles. And so I was thinking today we can kind of explore and kind of chat together about, you know, what have you guys seen in working with individuals? You know, what are some of those guiding principles? And I guess for me, I'll kind of start at the the end of the spectrum, if you will, as far as uh, age, uh, I remember having an individual, uh, probably one of the oldest individuals that I worked with in his mid nineties, who talked about uh, something that, uh, and it really kind of highlighted to me that <clears throat> some of these values persist throughout our entire life. Um, he came to see me for relationship issues. He was dating somebody and it was a new relationship and he was trying to navigate, you know, what their, relationship would look like given both their family obligations and then even just preferences too. And so it was something I think is, uh, you know, ageism, I think is something that can sometimes uh, inadvertently kind of impact us all to some degree. It's until we are faced with the reality that, you know, we're all aging or we're all going to be at different points in our life. I think I assumed like maybe most younger people do that, you know, by then this individual would have relationships down. It's like, you've lived your whole life. You've mastered relationships. You've, you know, been married, you've been divorced, uh, you know, you're dating again. So to, to come into treatment, to talk about how to navigate a relationship. And, and again, at that point to the, the, the shift in values being, you know, that he wants to connect with his partner yet at the same time, there were certain things he wasn't willing to, to do or to give up. Like if he didn't want to go to an event or do something, he just would say, no, he's like, I don't want to do that. Like she needs to understand. I don't want to do that. And again, for, for me at that point, I was like, well, hold on. Like, you know, when you're younger, like, you know, you, you go to those things that you don't want to go to, or, you know, you kind of, you know, uh, acquiesce in that way. Um, or is it, you know, no, like, he's firm in his, his beliefs of, yeah, you can go and do that, but I don't want to do that. And so it's such a, a great opportunity for me. And hopefully he benefited from it as well. <laughs> this idea of, you know, trying to, to navigate at this point in his life, his values of, in, in, you know, his guiding principles of, you know, wanting connection, yet still at the same time, feeling secure in, in that, you know, he didn't want to overextend himself in those ways. He didn't want to obligate himself in ways that, you know, maybe he would have when he was younger, or maybe that's something that we do when we're, you know, uh, developing relationships at earlier points in our life. So for me, that was really pivotal in, in teaching me that, uh, you know, it's not that these things don't come up again in our life. It's it's how we kind of go through those things at different points in our lives. I think your ex I like your example a lot because it also there's a separate piece in there, I I believe that you were saying, which is as we are growing up, we take on certain assumptions. Like you said, you thought by this time in life, that person would have, you know, people get, the assumption essentially is that when you're, if, if you hit your nineties, probably have figured out how relationships go. And I know that I've had a number of clients who come in like in their seventies or their eighties, and they might be in love infatuated, whatever you want to call it, but just feeling that great giddy feeling and saying, 
wow, why is this happening to me? I should have had this. I should not have this at this age or this shouldn't be happening at this age. There's, that's an assumption that when people are 80 or that they're 90, that they may not have, they may not fall in love or they may not date, like you said. The trick is how can we all figure out for ourselves, well, what are some of my own assumptions? And you're very good, Alex, about, you know, that's one of your own assumptions. You already figured that out. I think for the rest of us, we have to look and examine it. What are some of my assumptions that might be getting in my way for moving it? And I think along those lines, the assumptions are related to our values too. And if we have too many assumptions about something, we believe it to be true. And then we can say, well, well, no, this is how it is. This is what it is. And so, yeah, to be able to be aware of, you know, the building blocks of our values, experiences, as we were talking about before, some of those assumptions. Um, I know we talk a little bit right now, too, in a few minutes here about, you know, family, uh, that, that building block in that way. I think family can be a huge building block into our values. I don't believe it's the... I don't believe it has to be the only or the overarching kind of building block to who we are. I think a lot of people come from very challenging and difficult family experiences and they can recreate themselves. They can, they can grow. I want to say recreate, maybe they can further develop themselves, if you will, uh, into the person that they want to be despite some of these experiences. Um, and I think too, I, I probably just want to call out our own bias. I mean, I think, uh, you know, as therapists where we're agents of change, we believe that people can change. We believe that people can grow sometimes even more than people believe that they can, um, not because they don't want to, but it's change is tough. Change is difficult. And when it comes to things like values, I think a lot of times we look at our values as very ingrained, very hardened, very matter of fact. We, you know, we see the world through our own eyes. I think it's one of those things that we can start to see the world a little differently and start to be a little differently as we kind of reflect on these things. And I think uh, a lot of um, <clears throat> observing the world, um, when you really become more mature, you think of meaning of life. And I think um, as Dr. Yellum talks about the four things in life that are the most important part, one of them is thinking of death. As you grow older, you all of a sudden start thinking that that would be the next step sometimes along the way. And then what is the meaning of life for me after all these years, uh, working hard, doing this, doing that? Um, what do I want to gain before you know, I leave. So I think that meaning of life becomes um, more important to us. And I think a lot of anxiety of people, a lot of, you know, issues that some people start having, um, aside from a lot of chemistry of the brain, aside from a lot of heredity stuff. But I think um, as we become more mature, we start to think of all these important things in life that what do I want to do? What do I, is this all about life? Um, so I think that some sort of natural comes and I, do you guys remember what are the other two that Dr. Yolan talks about besides the meaning of life, death, and there are two more and it, maybe it comes to me, but I know these are the things he um, expansively talks about. It, well, that reminds me of the idea too, that it, I've, I find, I don't think it's a coincidence that the onset, of a lot of mental health issues occur around the time of, you know, mid twenties. And it's a time where I've found in working with individuals that they're faced for one of the first times in their life with making their own decisions. I, a lot of times, you know, we go to school, we go to elementary school, we, we have to, you know, we're told get up, you go to school you go to middle school, you go to high school. And then after that, you know, you, you get a job or you, you're out in the world. And then you start to be faced with this idea of you decide what you can do, or you're presented with the option of doing, uh, you know, any kind of job or career based on some of those experiences that you had, you know, whether you go to college or not. Uh, and it's your face in the first time of, you know, you deciding what is the meaning of your life. There, there isn't a, a track or path that is so clear. And I, I think historically, you know, we look at the, you know, the job field and the job industry. I mean, people used to have jobs where they were there for, you know, 15, 20, 30 years, maybe their whole life. We don't have that anymore. 
people are, you know, in different jobs for maybe a couple of years. And so if you're lucky, you might find your, your career, uh, whether it's at an organization or place or, or your path, you know, and, and keep on that path. But I think for a lot of people, they're faced with this idea of having to decide. And I think that's a very stress inducing, a very scary experience for a lot of individuals. So uh, to be able to reflect on what those guiding principles are, I think, you know, as early in life as possible, you know, it'd be great if they talked about this, like, elementary school or middle school or, you know, high school, it's like, okay, well, you know, not just what do you want to do? You know, I know they have those job assessment kind of um, uh, exams that they take, but like, who do you want to be? I think that would be a great question to, to be encouraging kids. Um, not just what do you want to do? Sorry, did I go too far off topic? There? <laughs> yeah, there's, there's like this awkward silence there. Nobody, we, no, we are so blown away by what you said not generate a, a reasonable response, Allie. So drop the mic. There we go. There we yeah. go. So, hey, <laughs> I think what I really liked, though, about what you said was that concept of having to decide, and that begins to happen. I have never thought about it in that way. That That's that point in life where we do have to get out there and make some of our own decisions, and it can be very challenging to do so. It is very taxing because it really calls into question, like, how do I know this? Who am I to make this decision? Do I have much experience doing this? I don't want to make the wrong decision. A lot of that stuff. And Alex, you mentioned right around 40, which is sort of in the past was midlife, but now probably is younger than midlife because mm. the life expectancy has um, gone further, you know, rather than what we knew from before. But I believe that right around age 25 it's it's a lot of question about people yeah, that's what i was saying around that time yeah actually oh, around I, that I, time I yeah 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 so that's the time that people start thinking and i guess that's the time that all you think is more about building your life isn't it and when you get to right around age 50 it's the time that you feel like you had to already been built you have to already had everything you wanted because then you have another, let's say, 20 years to enjoy or 30 years to enjoy. But, you know, talking about age, I think, um, honestly, it's a lot to do with how you perceive age, because um, in many cultures, that doesn't really matter. You know, the enjoyment I love of, of life is more important rather than being so into you know, nitty gritty stuff about life. They just have fun and enjoy. Uh, I was reading about a culture specifically that how people um, just what they have learned is God wants us to be happy. And that's why they have, hap they're happy with the little in life that they have. And all they think is enjoyment and dancing and laughing and getting together and enjoy what they want to do. So there are different mindset about aging and about life. But I guess it's the natural process of our mental um, part of, um, you know, who we are, that naturally we think about these things, especially, I think, in Western civilization where work and building your life is a big part of who you are. I guess it's more so than some of the easygoing cultures that maybe um, achievement is not getting your degree. Achievement is not how much money you make. Achievement is how happy you are. Achievement is, you know, um, how simple you run your life and you are happy. You know what I mean? It's just a lot of um a lot of it is the culture we are uh, in. Can we can we apply this or maybe talk briefly about our respective cultures? That how do we apply this to our cultures? Like Alec, how can you apply it to your background? And Sade, how can you apply it to your background? How can I apply it to my background? Like growing up on a farm or the German heritage, which I don't. That's my heritage, but I don't know as much because I haven't really lived in Germany. Well, can, you get, can you can you maybe start, Dan, and give us an example? Can you? Oh, that's a very good question. Well, yeah, now I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I was saying I had this great. I was really brilliant. Uh, what I was suggesting, we diverted onto culture. Yeah, 
Because I was thinking here, I'll throw out mine and you can tell me if this is right, because I'm not sure. That's why I asked. Um, So for me, like in my family too, you know, in our culture, like family and connectedness is really important. I think for me as an individual, and it was just actually having this this conversation with my siblings, um, uh, some of my my brothers, uh, we have uh, different fathers. And so it's one of those things where uh, I don't have any children, but my, my other two siblings who I were talking to, they were sharing how they can't understand how their father, you know, their biological father um, would not want to be a part of their life and would not want to know them. Uh, and our, our stepfather, who's a great man and has raised us, um, to, uh, who I always credit to the man I am today, uh, you know, took a, a huge responsibility in, in raising, you know, these little knucklehead kids who we were at that point um, and loving us as his own children. And, I was sharing with my brothers, even myself, like having uh, an estranged uh, relationship from my biological father, like even as an uncle, I can't understand how you cannot want to be connected to your family. Uh, I've shared that I've lived in Chicago. The main reason why I moved back, besides being a part of Tavanaugh and being able to do the radio show with you guys, of course, was to be able to, you know, be with my family, to, to have my nieces and nephew know me and know who I am. I, I never wanted to be that uncle who lived in Chicago, who, you know, they'd be like, oh yeah, I think I got an uncle who lives in Chicago. I don't really know him. Um, I took efforts, even, even while I was in grad school, even when I was, you know, really, really broke to, you know, uh, certain holidays and birthdays to send gifts and always wanted to impart upon them that, uh, you know, who I am and that wanting to know them. Uh, I even, you know, make efforts to tell them when I see them that I love them and, you know, be good and things like that and try to, you know, connect with each of them. I have eight nieces and nephews. Um, Obviously as they age, it gets a little tougher, you know, but I I still try to have some connection with them. And so for me, family has, has been really important. I think because of also in my culture, my heritage, the Latino family, you tend to, you know, I always joke, we lived on a five block radius. And so being one of the few people who, you know, moved away, went to college, got my doctorate, that was still so important to me. It was one of the maybe driving forces for me to do all those things that I've done, and especially was a driving force in coming back. And so it's it's kind of that, it's a mix of like, I think, culture and individual that really encouraged me to, to kind of take some of those steps in my life. Is that kind of what you were meaning, Dan, or...? It is as best I can remember. <laughs> like early onset dementia here. Once I once I formed my brilliant question in my mind, it was really great. But then when you asked me that, I'm like, well, yeah, what was I asking about? I think it was good. Side A, maybe you can also contribute. <laughs> Make up a question that he uh, asked. Yes, so there you go. A question you would like me to have asked. There you go. Well, I was just fascinated by what Dr. Andrade was sharing because, you know, we each grow up in different family um, life and it's interesting. And I just want to give a lot of credit to who you are, Alex, uh, now. And, um, you know, what brought to my mind is that sometimes uh, difficulties in life can make you actually a more um, resistant to barriers and to make you stronger. Because a lot of times we realize that um, people who have raised in families that everything was available, everything was perfect, the family were always together, you know, you become more sensitive, you see, um, you know, that um, sometimes in life, there are people who have a hard time even get along with other people because the only thing they have is how they've been raised. So you're not really, um, I can say maybe street smart because then you have experienced differently. You have been with different um, groups of people in your life or even the hardship sometimes can make you stronger and can more focus on your achievements. Um, Because I know that actually... I don't have any statistics, but I'm just thinking people I have seen that they have made up to where they are now, that they're very successful. They have become such great individuals because they have experienced different things. And then they can be great role model for 
another big group of people because being in education and with different kids, I have seen all sorts of people and different family styles, different. And unfortunately, um, I was working with a group that they had um, really um, had a very difficult life and they were mostly, we call them at risk kids. And, um, you know, those that they could bring themselves out of that situation, they became a very interesting person and great role model for others. So I'm just saying, you know, thinking about the way we grow or raised or, or grown up, um, of course, having that warmth and the, having that, um, you know, closeness and coziness of the family, it's great because it makes you a secure person in many ways. But then that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, you are built for facing life. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, with that, I want to say, let's just have a short break and come back to continue our conversation. شنوندگان عزیز رادیو بامداد اگر صدای ما رو به زبان انگلیسی میشنویم و تازه رادیوتون رو باز کردین من در کنار دو تن از همکارانم از شرکت توانا که یک شرکت غیر انتفاعی برای کمک های روانشناسی و فرهنگی هست صحبت میکنیم دکتر راکرز و دکتر اندراده بورد ممبرای این ارگنیزیشن هستم و من خوشحالم که روزای شنبه و شنبه از ساعت دوازده تا یکی بعد از ظهر ما هر هفته برنامه داریم در رادیو بامداد و خواهش میکنم اگر کسانی هستن از برنامه ما به زبان انگلیسی استفاده میکنن ازشون دعوت کنین برنامه ما رو دنبال کنن ما برمیگردیم و در خدمتون هستیم We're back with Dr. Rockers and Dr. Andrade and we are continuing our conversation about um, life and um, the values we are raised with. But as usual, when we start conversing, so many different things comes to our conversation. Uh, and uh, as I was talking before the break, um, things that happen in life, um, I mean, I was just thinking difficulties in life sometimes can make us Um, you know, not in general, better person, but maybe wiser, maybe more alert, maybe more strategic, or um, maybe even, you know, more confident, because um, in our experiences, we have seen people who are self-built, they um, have great achievement, they are great role models, and we left it at that. And now we're back and um, I want to hear from my colleagues. Well, along those lines, you were mentioning of the role models. And I think that's something too, where in earlier in life, the, the primary role models that we have are our parents or family or whoever we're around. I wanted to focus just a little bit on the importance, I believe, and even who others uh, could be as far as role models as we get older. I think I'm a big advocate of the idea of mentors, Um, you know, it doesn't always have to be necessarily, uh, you know, a therapist or a counselor, but uh, those are individuals who can serve as a guiding force, sometimes priests, uh, even as you had talked, I think yesterday, hairdressers, even, um, you know, there can be people that we build in our life who can be great sounding boards uh, versus, you know, we, we have that in a less structured way 
as we get older. Uh, and I think the, the, a clear example of that is we could probably all reflect on, you know, a teacher who in our, you know, development um, was pivotal or supportive or encouraging, probably one we didn't like to, we could always think of a teacher that was mean to us that we didn't like, but we could always go, oh yeah, you know, Mrs., you know, Miss Landy for me was a great substitute teacher who was always, you know, really kind and really, you know, supportive. Um, and so think about that, at that point, you know, that person helped us, supported us, guided us. I think for ourselves, I think for a lot of individuals as we get older, I think we still need that in life and we still need to have that as a resource in helping us maybe connect with or, or adding to our guiding concepts or our guiding uh, kind of principles. Thoughts, uh, comments on that? I'm thinking of uh, teacher Mrs. Cole, substitute <laughs> teacher. She had come in to teach our vocational agriculture class. And I don't think she had a whole lot of background in the vocational agriculture. You know, it's a lot of farming stuff. So I went, we were at, this is in high school, and after the class that night, I was talking with some of my friends who actually were priests, and I was saying, yeah, I don't really learn anything, it's so boring, and they said, well, did you, I mean, maybe you should tell her that. So the next day, I did say that, she starts talking, and I said, this is all very boring, I'm really not getting anything out of it. And I could see it was a very bad reaction, she didn't like it, and I knew immediately that Either I said the wrong things or I said the wrong things in the wrong way. That was a piece of learning. So that's the substitute teacher's book. <laughs> a guiding principle for me came from, came from that, which was try to be kind when potentially cool topic. And I want to share uh, this morning, my sister actually sent me a clip. I don't know how accurate this story is, but this is a story about Bill Gates. And you know, these days you receive all these clips. So I just want to say, I don't know how accurate this information is, but the clip was talking about um, when Bill Gates was in uh, school, I think, I'm not sure if it was high school, junior high school, but anyways, he gets a failing grade. And then I was pretty close to passing, but it was failing anyway. So he goes to the teacher and goes, can you give me um, one more point so that I can pass? Uh, because my mother is going to really, um, it's going to be very unhappy and, and it's going to be tough on me. Um, so the teacher says, no, I'm sorry, I can't, because then I'm going to be unfair to others. If I give you a point, then I have to give it to everyone. And I don't want to do that because you have to go work hard for that. Then um, he just uh, starts begging and the teacher says, the only thing I can do now that this is so important to you and your life and your connection with your mom, you can actually borrow one point from me, but you have to promise you're going to give it back twice as much as I give you. And then um, that goes on and then the teacher gives him the passing grade. And then he actually becomes a very hard worker in school. And he receives a couple of awards at the end of high school. And then when he actually is receiving the award, he looks at his teacher and he almost becomes emotional because she was the one who actually made him to work hard and receive award. So it was just the uh, moral of the story was sometimes there are people in our life that they do something to us that changes our life. And as I said, this was just a learning lesson for me myself. And I was just thinking, what a great wise way to do that. Because on the one hand, you're giving, but on the other hand, you're making that person realize that he has to give it back by hard work, by, you know, and it was just a great story. I don't know whether this is true about Bill Gates or anybody, but it just taught me something. And I thought, I wish I knew that when I was teaching so that I could use it. It's a little too late for me, but yeah, that was great. That story would fit with at least what I know, Bill Gates, how he, I don't know entirely that, but I, I'm thinking of the foundation he has and the, yeah. char the charities they have. He's, he's giving it back, giving it back. That's pretty cool. It Another thing that this story reminds me of, we have a very wise um, friend 
who always says little, but says really things that resonate in you. And one of the days we were talking about friendship and how important friendship is in our life that kind of enriches our life. And he said something really nice. He goes, friends are like your bank account. The more you give them, the more you really, um, you know, work with them, appreciate them. It's just you're putting in your bank account later in life that you have so many people that they can support you. Um, and even if this is like for no support, but it's just psychologically, you feel like you have a very um, full um, support in your bank account. And that was, that was a nice way to put it, you know, because we always need some tangible examples. I was just thinking, what a great way to look at this, because the more we are giving and we are, you know, appreciating or taking care of our friends or people who we know, the more we are providing more support for in, in our lives, even if it's um, psychologically, we may never use that bank account, but it's always there for us. And I was comparing that to people who are alienated or who don't have friends, who are living a very, you know, um, lonely life. I was just thinking, this is really important in life to have that support. Now we are talking about values and beliefs and all that. You know, this is something we grow up with. How many um, good people we have around us. It's really important. I like your example there because by helping out others, building your bank account and staying in touch with others are helping yourself out or by helping yourself, you're helping. Alex, you had something there? Well, I was just going to say, yeah, it's something that we, we build uh, sometimes intentionally. Uh, I've had patients tell me like, I'm the only person that they've shared, you know, some of the things that they've gone through or, you know, they've never, you know, shared anything before. And as nice as that is to hear, to be able to be that person, you know, I, I like to also encourage them and support them that, you know, I don't have to be the only person that they do that. You know, there can sometimes, and, and there maybe is already one person who they do kind of share with already or connect with to some degree. What would it be like to maybe invest in that a little bit more along the same lines of investing in those friendships? And I think it's something where sometimes there are people in our life who are there for us in some ways, but we get caught up in our own life. And, and sometimes we, we don't quite see that they're there um, in the way that they can be if we allow that. So I think it's always worth um, definitely exploring a little bit more. I mean, who can I open up to? Who can I share a little bit more with? I'd like to jump in and uh, circle back around to something that side A was saying, and that is about do the difficulties, was it that, the di are you asking the question, difficulties make us stronger or how it can make us stronger? I think there's a great physical analog that we can look at how bones develop strength and how muscles develop strength. They don't develop strength from, they only develop strength from being broken down and built up again, mm. right? Bones by impact become stronger. Muscles, when we work out, we work them out and break them down. That's what the workout is. And then the rest and the recuperation is when they rebuild and they're stronger. And I think it's the same, very same for psychological things too. The key, like most things, the physical analog I think holds true. If it's such a great trauma, it can break us down and it's real hard to come back. But if we engage in difficulties and we take difficulties head on and we learn from and grow from, I think is a good way, a good way to be able to proceed in life. I really like that, Dan. I never thought of it that way. I really like that idea. It's like the idea of stress versus kind of trauma. We're going to have stress and that's maybe that exercise, those opportunities to learn and to grow where, yeah, if it's, you know, you're not going to go lift, you know, 500 pounds, you know, you're going to hurt yourself. And so right. you don't start off there. Okay, so maybe we can have another break and come back to the end of our session.
right, we're back and we continue our conversation with Dr. Rockers and Dr. Andrade regarding the life values. And our conversation as usual was all over regarding these issues. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, we always do that because every aspect of life has so many other parts to it that brings us to other issues. But talking about the value and how we perceive life and maturity and all of that, uh, many interesting topics came to mind. And one of the things that we end up with and went to break was the value of having people in our life and support. And one of the things as psychologists, we always encourage people to have is uh, thinking about a good social life that is fulfilling and it's enriched because every one of us need that and sometimes we don't realize how important that is and how it can take us uh, smoother to times of difficulties and obstacles in life i like what dan said too about the bank account too and that way i'm stuck on that idea a little bit i think it's one of those things where you know trying to see you know where those possible connections. Uh, it's something I hear from a lot of adults as they get as you get older, as you become an adult, it's harder to build those friendships and connections. Uh, and I think especially in this time of COVID, we've been removed from a lot of those environments that we maybe do that. So I guess that was my question. I mean, is that something that you see? Or, or what, what do you suggest? Or what do you recommend to individuals? And they're like, yeah, it's harder as an adult, like, yeah, I work with people and yeah, I go to the gym or, you know, maybe have a couple of things that I do. But yeah, it's not, you know, like when you're in school, you develop friendships that way. Or when you're younger, you know, you kind of grow up around each other. As adults, I find it's a little more, it is a little more challenging in some ways. Uh, thoughts, reactions? You're saying it, you find it's more challenging to establish the social connections or social support or something else. Yeah. Yeah. That. Yes. I think I definitely agree. I think it is built in when we're younger that we go to school, we're around people, we go to college. If we go to college or high school around people, you're always connecting and even the kind of the younger crowd in their think of in their twenties, maybe out connecting a whole lot. The critical piece that I see is that people do not become involved in it. So becoming involved in community is such a, a big thing. I know Alex, you've heard me say that many times. It's just getting involved in an organization, finding what direction you wanna go. When we do that, then magic starts to happen. When we don't do that, less magic tends to happen. So that's the, and I see this a lot in a lot of clients have not gotten involved. So that's a, a big thing. It's so important. I totally agree. Even as an example for me, um, for years, I was just raising kids and being into my own life with, um, you know, school and children. But the moment I started being in the community, so with the community, the workplace, the social life, and the um, communities that I could just be part of, that's when you start really seeing different people, you can talk to them, and you immediately, you kind of can have that feeling whether that's the chemistry that this person can be a good person to continue conversing or seeing. And that's how you build your social life with. And you have so many parts of your life that um, you can just build by going to different communities. I totally agree, Dan. This is the key. And I like our listeners to, if they're listening to us, uh, that part of connection um, that can make a huge difference in their lives. Well, that's how the three of us came together. Right. Oh, absolutely. Yes. It's by and being active or part and participating. I have said that many times in our program, in our podcast, that um, when I just finished my dissertation and received approval, it was the day in Christmas time that I walked into and I always thank one of the teachers I was working with who also um, had finished his dissertation and became a psychology uh, psychologist. He actually told me, Saida, you need to connect with Sacramento Valley Psychological Association. And I said, how do I do that? She goes, he goes, 
you know what? There's a Christmas party and I'm going there. Do you want to come? I said, yeah, sure. And I remember we met, my husband and I met him um, on the way somewhere because we didn't know the address because it was in Amy's house, Amy Alfeld. And we we came to the party and the first person I ran into was Dr. Daniel Rockers. And the way he greeted us, it was so welcoming. And I have said that many times in our program. And that really made me feel like I belong. And I think that belonging is a huge thing. I'm so thankful because that way I started really communicating with uh, different psychologists, being in the board. And now look at us. We built our own organization by just being in that community. I really think it's a great opportunity for anyone to establish that, um, you know, friendship in the um, communities that they go to with people that they feel like they can work. So as you said, look at us, we met through that organization. Yeah. I think that makes sense too, in, in the sense that, or the thing that resonates with me is that in, in that exposure to new individuals, you also are exposed to new values. And so, you know, because before, if you would have asked me, oh, do you want to be a part of a nonprofit organization, uh, you know, 10 years ago, I'd have been like, what? Like, what are you talking about? Why is that important? Like, what is that even, you know, where now it's like, no, that is something that I see is important. Uh, And I think in those experiences I've had in connecting with others has influenced and impacted uh, my, my values and my beliefs. And so those experiences have added to my guiding principles uh, for myself in that way. So I think that can definitely be another benefit to connecting with others in that way. Yeah. And I think also just being open to opportunities. For example, if somebody tells me I can come to this organization, if I had said no, the whole thing has been different for me. Now, I'm so happy I said yes, um, and I came to that party even though I didn't know anybody except that teacher who was working with me. And I thought the worst comes to worst. My husband and I and that teacher can stay together and just enjoy for a couple of hours. But that opportunity was amazing to open the door. And I thought to be part of the board you have to go through steps. You have to do so many things. But then Dan told me, Dan says, start coming to the board. You don't have to be part of the board. And I remember from the time um, our board was uh, somewhere in Howe Avenue, we were meeting there in the uh, psych um, organization there. Um, and then um, until then, we moved to um, J Street. It's been already seven years. Can you believe it? From the day that we met and until now is seven years already, almost close to seven years. So time flies, but grasping the opportunity is also another thing. And that's something that I always tell people that, you know, be open to going somewhere without even knowing anybody, because that might be your chance. And I have learned this in life and I have experienced it. Along those lines, I was going to say, Dan's great at that too, because I got elected to the board when I was on SCPA board while I was in the restroom. Dan was like, let's nominate this guy and vote for him uh, before you even sit back. So I I come back to the table and they're like, yeah, you've been voted in and, you know, Dan nominated you. I was like, oh, great, great. I've never been elected to anything while in the restroom. Just trying to be inclusive, Al. Yeah. (laughs) I always appreciate that too. (laughs) Well, I think also some of this brings up like Alex, what you said was if you had told me 10 years ago, be on the board or side day, you were talking about that and how to get on board. It exposes what some of our assumptions are coming into things. And I love that idea of saying yes to things. There was some movie where this person he got, I think he got hypnotized and they said the Jim Carrey, I think. And yeah, it's called yes or something like that. I think that what it is, but it was such a great lesson. And like, what if we really would do that? How many things might happen? And you've got, these are all good examples. Things do happen when we say yes, when we in a way go against or question our own assumptions or go beyond our own is maybe that's 
Yes, and uh, with that, I want to say we are uh, getting to the end of our program, so we can finalize our conversation and sum up, uh, wrap up our, our um, today's conversation about life values. My summary is right there. Say yes. Participate in your... Yes. It will pay off in big ways. Very good. Yes, I agree. I'd encourage to reflecting on our values in that way that they don't have to be rigid rules. They can be recommendations. They can be, you know, guiding. I think that the, the term, you know, guiding concepts, I, I think that's why I like coming back to that term in our conversation today, because it's not that we have to impart those rules or values that we have. We can have choice in that and we can say, is this something that I want to guide? And if we find that, you know, we, we don't like how our life is going or we don't like how, what we're, we're focusing on, we can always reflect and, and again, that's why I think mentors and, and people you can turn to are, are helpful in that way. It, it can be a great place we can go and explore what our view is uh, sometimes, because I do find it's difficult to do that on our own sometimes versus being able to talk to somebody that we trust uh, to, to help us see some of our blind spots. And uh, my part, uh, going back to um, what Dan said about the community and connecting with the community is also as we have experience and we always talk about the openness and the welcoming that Dan had to us and made us to be part of an organization that not only we enjoy being part of, but we met and we built this organization on our own is just um, giving opportunity to other people as well. So if it's working for me, why not I do the same thing to others? So if one day I see another person that um, can be part of the organization, I would do the same thing. So if it's working for me, I have to learn from that and open the door for other people. So it is important if we are at a position that we can give our hands to others, you know, that way I think it just grows our life and it expands our life because, um, we, we just feel good about ourselves that we gave this opportunity to another person too. So with that, I want to thank my colleagues and my friends, Dr. Andrade and Dr. Brockers. Once again, great um, conversation and thank you. Um, I hope you have a wonderful rest of uh, Sunday. We come back next week to continue about another topic in psychology or culture or current um, part of life. پس از این زاری مکن حوث یاری مکن تو اینا کن دل دیوانه با غم به مزار به خوابارا دل دیوانه تو باز آمدم از سر کوی او دل دیوانه پنهان کردم در خاکستر غم آن همه آرزو دل دیوانه با من ای دل چه ها کردی تو مرا با عشق او آشنا کردی پس از این زاری مکن حوث یاری مکن تو 
کردم در خاکستر غم آن همه آرزو دل دیوانه با من ای دل چه ها کردی تو مرا با عشق او آشنا کردی پس از این زاری مکن حوث یاری مکن تو ای ناکام دل دیوانه با غم دیرینم به مزار سینم بخوابانم دل دیوانه بخوابانم دل دیوانه